Greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining me on Turning a Moment into a Movement. And I am your host, Jay Love. I also represent the Justice for Gerard movement, who is pictured behind me. Gerard is my son. And actually, today is the second year anniversary of his release from prison. Uh, unfortunately, we all know that, um, well, just in case you don't know, he passed away in June of last year. And so everything we do is because of him. So I represent the Justice for Gerard um, movement. But we come here at 6 p.m. every Friday to talk about wrongful convictions and injustice. Uh, we Our goal is to educate um, bring resources um, so that people will have um, resources and also to educate, oh, I said educate, sorry, but inspire and motivate you to join in our movement, not only this movement, but other movements, because uh, the more we talk about things, the more we stand up, um, change can happen. We all have to um, get involved. It's up to us to make the change. So, Thank you for joining me today. I'm so glad you're here. And I want to, you know, send a shout out to, to everyone that's watching on Facebook, everybody who's watching on YouTube, Twitter. Hello. Please take an opportunity right now to share. Uh, we're trying to build up our audience and it takes all of us. So if you can share, share the YouTube, uh, go to the Justice for Gerard movement on YouTube and subscribe. So anytime that we are coming on, you will always get a notification. So that I got that plug out. Thank you for joining us and I will bring on the panel. So, hey, Revitia. You're muted. <laughs> Rabbitia is talking, but she's muted. So once she unmutes. Yes. Hey, yes. hey yes, I was just talking away. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here this evening, Jay. And I'm just so glad that um, you have been empowered to go beyond all challenges and obstacles and continue what we you set out to do. And um, that is taking a stance for injustice for the wrongfully convicted. And, um, and now you have such motivated inspiration because of Gerard. And I'm just so grateful this evening that we've come together because it's going to take us coming together like this uh, to make sure that we are able to allow the goodness that is supposed to come our way to let it happen. Yeah. And it's going to happen. Uh, I think I think we have to say something. Yeah. We have to do something. And we have to know that justice is for us. So, yes. you know, I'm I am uh, a life coach right now and a behavior <laughs> interventionist. I come always talking from a mental health standpoint usually and spiritually. Um one of the ministers at Transforming Love Community and definitely Michigan chair of the G100 Oneness and Wisdom women. It takes, it's free to join. If you are want to be economically empowered, then you need to connect. And you can reach me at www.thechoicezone.com. And so um, I'm just excited. I'm excited that we're changing the narratives 
And that's what I'm definitely about. Right. Put your um your um your email up there, your <laughs> your website. website. Yes, the choice <laughs> yes. zone. So if anybody wants to um talk to Revitia. Revitia, you you do um therapy um sessions as well? I, I do therapy. I do um one of one life coaching sessions right now. I also do I'm a psychologist, um a school psychologist at this time. And I do behavior intervention. So I do a lot with youth. Um, for the last seven years, I've been working with youth. And um, I've been in mental health working with adults, though, for over 20 years. Wow. So if you need Revitia, there is her www.thechoicezone.com. Yes, your choice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is your choice. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> You're welcome. So let's break on. Hey, Alexandria. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm great. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing good. So introduce everyone. Uh, introduce yourself to everyone. I don't know what's going on with me today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's Friday. It's, it's, it's the weekend eve. Um, yes. <laughs> um I'm Alexandria Hughes, uh, Supreme Court Coordinator, Mental Health Advocate Organizer uh, with Michigan Liberation. Uh, very passionate about criminal justice and how it intersects, uh, the criminal legal system and how it intersects with uh, mental health and uh, addiction uh, and, and, and uh, disability needs. Yes. And so uh, I have your, hold on. I have your posts um, on the screen right yes. now. Yeah, I can just elaborate a bit. So What's Left um, Ipsy is a, a news and media uh, online um, online podcast. Um, and they will be having a Facebook uh, live and talking about demand and accountability, but specifically focusing on um, Supreme Court accountability. Um, and I'll be on there. Um, going through what's been going on and what Michigan Liberation is doing uh, in response to that. Uh, uh, what's next for us regarding that? Uh, and, and, you know, specifically uh, with what's next with Justice Bernstein, the whole situation, what we're thinking, and also a broader discussion, how do we hold justices accountable? This shined a big light on that. So yes. we'll be diving into that. So, yeah, so today's topic is very timely because you know you're gonna be going doing that whole thing tomorrow, so awesomeness. So, <laughs> hi, attorney Matt. Much love, much love, ladies of power. Good to see y'all again. <laughs> Look, attorney Mac, everything is working. <laughs> well, you know what? You know it's because I'm on my cell phone now. The cell phone is 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 the cheapest of all my electronics, and it's working the best. So I may need Michigan Liberation to bail my black behind out because I'm furious. <laughs> I done spent all this money on all this and can't get a damn uh, Zoom call or uh, uh, a StreamYard call in. We got Something you. is wrong. We got you. Know, okay. you, know, you know, Alexandria, I'm counting on you, baby. I'm counting on you. I'm <laughs> counting on you. But look here. You know what time it is, J-Love. Another yeah. shameless plug. Dr. Hell? Hugo J. Mack is my name. Attorney of law. The street lawyer. The people's lawyer. You understand? My clients do not drive over bridges. They live under them. You understand? You understand? So look, th this is it right here. If you find yourself on Trouble Boulevard, 
push, pull, or drag that hoopity to Mac Street. Park in my underground secure parking lot. And when you get there, call the Freedom Line, 734-239-3118. The Freedom Line, 734-239-3118. The Freedom Line, 734-239-3118. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. And yes, I did endorse this announcement. Damn straight I did. Finally, brought to you by the one true but unanointed king of Russia, Scotland, and Harlem. I love you. Now that's how you plug. Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Now that we got that plug in with, <laughs> with the ease, we can ease right on into the topic. <laughs> Thank you, Attorney Mac. Trisha should probably be popping in soon. Okay. So, we can get started. And we're going to, um, I'm going to let Reverend Tia you know, take it off. But our topic today is accountability is the key to healing. So Ramatia, I'm going to let you go with it. Yeah. You know, um, the one thing with, when it comes to uh, Bernstein and, and the, the whole situation is sometimes we, I know with myself, I can get so upset, so angry that I forget about looking at the solution and what do we really want to achieve? And so ironically, he was not willing to give a clerk a second chance. And here we are, he's wanting and asking himself, for a second chance. Now, I I am looking at the patterns here of what happens in a cycle to me of unforgiveness. And and I feel like saying like India Irie, these are it's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. Ain't nothing that I'm saying is law. It's just a true reflection of a lifelong lesson I was here to share with y'all. <laughs> so, anyway, I just believe that what we're witnessing is unforgiveness in the making. And we got to look at it in our own culture. Because definitely racism or wrongful convictions or hate and ignorance, if we continue in that vein, one against another, or a lack of humanity, or lack of seeing other people as humans, then it's just a vicious cycle that never ends. So where or how can we heal? I believe that this happened and that it is a good thing that it did happen 
because it allows us to really look at, I mean, yes, Bernstein was in our community. Bernstein had received many African-American votes. Bernstein was side by side with Judge Bolden. And so that happened and here we are. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how, how it initially got there, what made him decide to want after go after a clerk, all of these things. Why all of a sudden did his opinion, why was it so important all of a sudden? His opinion. And now he's looking for a second chance. And so we need to look at the cycle here. And I believe, do we believe in second chances? We got to ask ourselves. Do we believe in second chances? Well, I believe in second chances, third and, and fourth chances sometimes, you know. Um, I think when we talk about accountability, we're talking about someone taking a, a sincere, honest um, acknowledgement of what the wrong they have done. So whatever wrong they have done, they're sincere about it. And their actions show as part of their words. I mean, we it's easy to speak words, but your actions also show up. So when we're talking about accountability and when you're showing your actions are showing up and your words are showing up, it it opens the road to healing yeah. because it shows your you have a capacity to be human outside of what you did was wrong exactly and, and you know what the thing about it is that a lot of times we accept verbal apologies without any type of <laughs> any type of repentance any type of turnaround mm -hmm. so repent means you turn around repent means you 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 do something different you know and 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 yes, I believe in forgiveness. Yeah, I do believe in forgiveness and cutting cutting the connection of me to that situation or to a person so that it doesn't just eat me up. So I forgive. Now, I may not let you back in <laughs> the same way. You know, if and, and this is if you haven't done the work. If you haven't done the work. But, but here I'm looking at who's who's doing the work, how do we do the work, and then how do how if somebody does actually repent, then how you know how do you how do you allow that relationship to grow? Mm -hmm. I mean, many of us have, I, I believe, experience where we did accept somebody's apology in relationships and allowed that relationship to grow um and then i have to look at our community though because there are many many times in history and <laughs> right now where people have apologized and there is no change mm 
if we haven't seen change and see this is this is my thing we want to quickly go after and point after an individual and one individual but there's many individuals and there's systems of people of individuals in the system who have not changed and so when you look at the fabric of america many if it's what's woven inside of it is racism it is and, and all these biases and and violence against women violence against children and they and i it's not just in america it, it's in other places too but what i am saying because i am here in america our forgiveness towards these things when people say, but I'm sorry, and there's still an elected, elected official. You have elected officials, you have people who are in high positions known as pedophiles. You have, and I'm looking at what are we doing as a community? We need to really look at what's really an apology has that person, are they truly sorry? And what are they willing to do? Corrective action. That's right. You got to have it for anything else. Yeah. If, if I, if I'm in, if I'm, if I'm in a group home or anything and I do an incident report, and if that report comes back that we violated any type of policy as far as neglect or abuse, no matter how minor it is or major, you got to do a corrective action. We mandate corrective actions probably in every area except for where it counts. Mm -hmm. And that's in civil leadership. What will the corrective action be? And th this we need to keep in mind when we're looking at police in the counters, when we're looking at the wrongfully convicted, when we're looking at people who are making decisions at the judicial level, we got to look at all that. Right. What's the mm -hmm. corrective action? Is it corrected? If you look at the landscape of the people who are representing us, that's not corrected because it does not represent the people. Yeah. You know, for me, it, it, it bothers me that when I think back to his comments in uh, him saying he's intensely pro-law enforcement, um, just thinking that was what it, what the, who he felt needed protecting um, was, was law enforcement, but not, uh, <laughs> not a black woman on her first week of work. Uh, I would like to see him own up to those comments and not say that they were, he was misquoted because I have heard that he said he was misquoted. And when you're misquoted, you're able to go and correct your comments. Um, yeah. And you're able to go to the media and tell them. And I have a hard time believing in the, in that theory because there's audio of him with NPR in another article doubling down. So I'm gonna need some action and some owning up to it to fully even believe an apology, to be quite honest. Yeah. 
I think it hurts really so bad because <laughs> for us, um, we're always looking for that next great leader or that next great person to stand up, you know, for justice for us, right? And so we, when these things, type of things happen, it is very hurtful because we put so much time and money also behind candidates that we think are going to support our community. But it's also a lesson for us to start working and, and saving ourselves, right? And so, you know, um, I came up with this little tag, SOS, study, organize, and strategize, right? And that's what we're going to have to start doing. We're going to have to start studying <laughs> the issues. We have to start taking accountability and studying for ourselves and then start organizing on a level um, of, of people understanding, right? Because sometimes when people organize, sometimes people don't get into it because people are don't talk to people at a level of their own of their understanding. And then we had to come up with strategies, you know. So we had to, you know, that has to be our corrective action for us. We have to start doing our own work because if we don't, uh, if we continue to wait for somebody to save us, we're going to always be disappointed. We're going to always be heartbroken. We're going to always be angry. And what does that get us? Nothing in the end. So we have to start doing the work and we're going to have to start studying and we're going to have to start organizing ourselves. And it starts like right in your house, like you. And then you reach out to a family member or some friends and you and your little community, right? If we start in our own little community, we can make change happen just by just working in our own communities. And then we all gather together. So, you know, and, and we just keep on moving until we're big enough to make those moves. But we can't just keep waiting and being upset and mad because people say things that hurt our feelings because guess what? <laughs> They've been saying stuff that hurt our feelings for so long. You know, it's just become normalized. And so we just go on to the next thing because, you know, but we have to start making moves ourselves. Attorney Hugo, Matt. Well, different things I want to say. First of all, in terms of Justice Bernstein, <clears throat> one good thing that has resulted from this is a seed has been planted in his consciousness. Mm -hmm. whether he admits it or not. You know, there's a guy by the name, I believe his name is Morris Deeds, and he is the founder of the Southern uh, Poverty Law Center. And I saw a documentary with him where he said he grew up, the N-word was part of his regular vocabulary. You know, it was it was part of his regular regular vocabulary. And I can't remember what he said, but something happened in his life to make him realize the humanity of the people that he was talking so much about. 
And now that man has got regular death threats by the Ku Klux Klan and skinheads and uh, suing the Klan. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you, you've heard about the Southern Poverty Law Center, okay? Mm -hmm. And is now on the forefront of fighting the fight for humanity for all of us. There's a man by the name of Lincoln that we hail as the great emancipator. The truth about him is he grew up with the N-word quite often, even as president, even as president. And the Civil War, his whole thing was to preserve the union. He was willing to let the black folks go under if, if there was some way to preserve the union. And the Emancipation Proclamation, as we celebrated, uh, what is that, 100 and some years, 150 years or whatever that is, since that, um, was never intended to free slaves or just freeing slaves in slaveholding states. But yet what I'm saying is Lincoln finally got to the point of in the end of his life realized, you know what, I've got to start trying to acknowledge the humanity of the people that I've been downtrodden all this time. There was another man by the name of Lyndon Johnson, a senator from Texas, an avowed racist, an avowed racist. But something happened in his evolution, in his evolutionary spirit, when he became president, he became one of the most progressive presidents in terms of black people that we have ever had, okay? So what I'm saying is with Mr. Bernstein, when he talks about the no second chances, with all due respect, Mr. Bernstein, I hope you're listening. The fact that I voted for you a blind man who cannot look out and see people that are litigating. You know, you all know about body language, okay? All of you know about that. And you can read a lot about a person with their body language, despite the words that are coming out of their mouth. Mr. Bernstein can't do that. If somebody's arguing my case in front of him, he can't see my body language. He may be able to hear me. He may be able to have somebody help him write an opinion, but he can't see me. So I gave him a chance when I voted for him. A man that doesn't have any sight, I gave him a chance. So my hope for Mr. Bernstein in his spirit is that this seed grows where he learns from this, you know? And I believe everybody is capable of redemption. Everybody, everybody, okay? So, you know, that is my prayer and and belief for him. And I I, I respect that the sister, uh, uh, sister Kara has maybe a little more affirmatively, uh, what have you, but I'm still not satisfied with her either. I'm not. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just not. I'm not. I don't think she said anything forcefully enough. So, you know, where there was a definite exclamation mark next to her name before this, there's still a question mark for me. So, you know, we'll see what seed in her humanity has grown because of this. And by the way, they need to be beating the bushes to have that man come back to be a clerk to me, to me, you know, uh, and Bernstein ought to be the main one beating those, those, those bushes. And I don't, I don't see him doing that. Yeah, I think this is a um, the whole thing is um, ironic because the second chance you wasn't willing to uh, didn't wasn't open to give is not a second chance necessary for you. And so I think this is a great lesson. I also think that this will also um, in the end humanize humanize. Because, you know, sometimes people, you know, because of how they're raised and, you know, their upbringing, they don't understand the human element of what's going on 
in this justice system. I am sorry. Right. They do not understand because they're so far removed from it, right? That's right. That's so right. When you're so far removed from it, you don't even know how your words can hurt and stab, you know, that can really hurt people. So I think that this is a great opportunity for healing. And I think this is also a great opportunity for his healing as well. And people who work with him, because now you see, you know, when we talk mm -hmm. about um, um, formerly incarcerated and people coming mm -hmm. home and now you see, you kind of uh, kind of see how they feel really right now, because um, Mr. Martel was, you know, really treated real bad, you know, in this whole um, situation. He's more the victim of it, of it as well, because he was placed in a position to for all this light to be shined on him. And all he wanted to do is do a great job. I think... Um... One thing I think is important for people to realize, and especially Black people, Indigenous, uh, Native American people, um, heal on your own time, at your own pace. It doesn't have to be immediate, and you don't have to be accepting of of, of um, accepting of that, I don't know, that apology or that that person uh, trying to be redeemed. Like, you don't have to immediately accept that. You get to take your time to heal. And because healing looks different for everybody. Yeah. It's not the same. And also I'll say too, what's, what's really interesting is um, when you look into his cases, the Supreme Court cases, you looked... <laughs> Look into the uh, how Justice Bridget McCormick, she she like vocally and policy wise championed access and making things accessible, available, and all that. Um, and you see, he agreed with her on a lot of those things uh, quite often. Um, and it just it just makes me wonder what that dynamic is between all of them. Mm -hmm. um, Especially now that, because I mean, we could say the Supreme Court is not politicized, but it is. It yeah, is. It Democratic is. Party, Republican Party, they get to endorse these people. So it's it's political. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, it is. Oh, yeah. No, no, they, no. They put them on the ballot, now partisan. And so that's a whole different thing. But Right. Not partisan, but they was all in the Democratic space. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, I think I, I would like to see them be more vocal, if I'm being honest. Get it all out here. Let's let's. Hey, let's get it all out on the table. Right. And also forgiveness is not for that person. It's for you. <laughs> it's individual. So, you know, it's for me. It's, you know, the the harm, the hurt was done to me. And so I need to be the person to work on me, get over this, how I need to get over it, right? It's not so much the, the, the other person. They got to work on their own, you know, their own forgiveness. You know, he has to forgive himself. You know, um, that's what's important. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself, uh, 
the things that you said and, and try to figure out why did I say that? What, you know, because my actions have been so differently than my words are. So what is going on with me? So it is an inside job, but it's also for us too. We have to, you know, figure out in us how we feel about the apology and, you know, whether we want to accept it or not or, or whatever it is to forgive. And that's a, um, a personal thing. Yeah. Go ahead, Ramatia. You muted. Yeah, because what you want to do is, is let go. You're letting go of because the unforgiveness doesn't serve you. Right. Um, and then settle it. Look, I have to just settle it in my mind. Like if I know that you are wearing a cloak of honor that says that you are here for the people, and I know, but for real, you're not. I know. That's you. And then I can know, I know you. I know Mm -hmm. the real you. So my thing is, because we know that people in these positions, even though it is nonpartisan, it is really truly political. We need to get, like you said, study. Dig deeper. Who do you eat with? That's what I want to know. I want to know who's at your table. I don't want to know who you talking to and, and you know, and giving them some money here and there and you doing the political. I don't care nothing about that. I want to know who is at your table. Because when I know who you eat with, when I know who you rubbing shoulders with, then I know you. I know you. I want to know your close friends. <laughs> I wonder if it's just just as Viviana was his close friend. I'm really curious. Right. <laughs> I wonder if inquiry minds want to know. We want to know. We want to know. Because I can tell you, if you check out my close friends, they'll be all like, yeah, that's that's her. That's definitely her friend. Right. Because you're the people that you hang around with is our reflection of you, right? Yeah. So those those yeah. five. They say the five people you hang around, hang mm-hmm. around, um, show who you are. So you're right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, on your comment on who's donating, you know, when you were saying who's donating to you, it made me think proposal one passed in November and it requires elected officials to disclose their financial, uh, their finances. So that information can be found, y'all. Just wanted to add that little tidbit for the audience members. <laughs> it's time. Yeah, it's time. We need to know. We have to study. We can't mm-hmm. wait to a week before. When people start saying they're running for stuff, that's when the time we're supposed to start finding out who is asking for your vote, right? Who, yeah. Because your vote is like gold. You just can't give it to everybody. And it's your voice, right? So these are the opportunities um, that you're supposed to find out who this person is. And that's what you do, Allie. Would you tell people what you do? Because I don't think everybody know what you do. Oh. Michigan (laughs) Liberations. (laughs) Yes. Um, So at Michigan Liberation, a few things. So mainly... Uh, focusing on uh, election cycles, um, getting the word out, um, the research I find on, on uh, what's on the ballot, 
Um, also, and I should probably have plugged my email too. Uh, <laughs> no, <also>. no. <laughs> Alexandria at miliberation.org. Alexandria at miliberation.org. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like knowing about the proposals, so it's on the ballot, proposal one, two, and three. Um, educating community members on that, going to churches, having them conversations about how this is impacting their communities. Um, I was recently in Detroit um, doing that. What was that? Was that Church of Messiah? Um, but I met some people uh, with Southfield, my brother's keeper, um, um, that were there. We ended up we ended up just getting into it because it's the youth. That's my brother's keeper is young people. So that was an opportunity. But even about the Supreme Court, because it's, it's uncharted waters for a lot of people. They don't understand how it impacts them, the Michigan Supreme Court. And it's one of the only states to let you vote to have justices there. A lot of states only appoint them or you can't even vote at all and it's just decided by higher power. So it's not every state that gets that opportunity. Um, so this is the chance of our opportunity um, to take advantage of that. And then um, contact them. Like, you can tell people that you out here knocking on doors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So also yeah, yeah. canvassing. So we also do canvassing um, to bring awareness to these issues. So um, if something bad on the ballot in, in Detroit, so uh, building a new jail or building a new prison, um, also um, reproductive rights that was on the ballot in November, all the people on the um, run for election, we, we knocked over 100,000 doors. Um, I know in Detroit sent over a million text messages at our voter text parties. Uh, and, and that's why this is so, it hurts a little more too with Bernstein because we, we know so many community members committed to that. And are, we're telling people to vote here, do this, vote for Bernstein. And then this happens. Um, so yeah, that, that's a big reason why our next step is to, is to hear from community, hear from those canvassers who did that work. Um, but yeah, that's how you get the word out. You got to change those minds, educate people, go door to door. Yeah, right. the neighborhood. Right. Study, 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 educate, educate, educate. Like that's important because yeah. you can't get anything done if you don't have an idea of what you're talking about. Even, yeah. even um, as we advocate for wrongful convictions, I really, when I start advocating for my son, I start um, researching everything about wrongful convictions, even to the history of how it started, you know, when slavery ended, how all these, you know, black people were just really just pulled off the streets because, you know, slavery ended, they had no land, no food, no nothing. And people was just, and they started convicting them, right? Mm -hmm. They made up laws and start yeah. convicting people. And so that was the birthplace of it, of wrongful convictions. That's where it was birthed, right? And so for all these years, we're talking about it. And so we're advocating for our loved ones. And you got to know this stuff because sometimes, you know, it's more than just telling your story. It's more than just, you know, telling people about what happened to your loved one. You have to go back in and educate people and let them know how this happens. How mm -hmm. eyewitness misidentification is the number one reason why most people are wrongly for convicted, you know? So studying and understanding what's going on is the key 
to moving forward. Go ahead, Attorney Matt. Well, one thing I wanted to say is uh, with what uh, Sister Alexandra was saying is that what I hope, and Bernstein, she's absolutely right. What a disappointment. What a disappointment, you know. However, we proved that we can make a difference. We flipped the the Michigan legislature, I think the first time in, what is it, was that 50 years or something like that, where they have that kind of control. And now I've heard uh, one of the state representatives, uh, Felicia uh, uh, Graybick, uh, heard her on uh, what public radio out of EMU, you know, uh, and she said that she's introducing a bill now that will eliminate the old statute, the, uh, the anti-abortion statute. Okay, so th 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 in other words, there's still an anti-abortion law on the books. All right, but it was nullified by the vote of the people last year. So what I'm saying is she would not have the backing to move for that to be eliminated if there was not a change in the House and the Senate and, 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 and maintain the governorships. So I'm so encouraged because we've seen what we can do. You know, when we work and we organize, we can win. We can actually win. And I think it's been such a mojo on black and indigenous peoples to make, make us think we can't win no matter what. So just give up. Go on and cop that plea. Go on and give up. You can't win. So, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged um, by that. And I'm also encouraged, uh, I heard on the news tonight on, on 910, one of the sh talk shows in J-Love, there's a state representative named Stephanie Young. And she is putting forth legislation to allow people that are incarcerated Freedom of Information Act access to information on their case on their case. You know, everybody in the state of Michigan can use FOIA except incarcerated. <laughs> the, pe the people who need it the most. <laughs> the people who need it the most. So I'm encouraged, and there was a former uh, person incarcerated by the name of Marvin Cotton. I guess he, he's an exoneree, and he's working with her. And she says she's got bipartisan support for that bill. So hopefully she'll be bringing it forward because, you know, Jay Love, and everybody, all y'all all know, part of the problem with being incarcerated, you can't get no information. You, mm -hmm. You've got to ask relatives, uh, friends, uh, uh, ACLU to get information. And Mr. Cotton said in his case, he spent 20 years in prison. When he was going to trial, they gave him 45 pages of information. Now with research that was done, and he gave Kim Worthy big props, by the way, he gave Kim Worthy big, big, big props. He said he got like 210 pages of discovery that had information in it that helped to exonerate him. So whatever we may feel about Kim Worthy, I, I, I give her credit for at least working with a conviction integrity unit uh, to be able to get some things done, although I don't agree with some of the protocols she uses. But, but anyway, anyway. Uh, so, you know, that may be somebody for a future show, Representative uh, 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 Stephanie Young, J-Love, because I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased that she's putting that legislation, um, you know, in, in, in front of the legislature. Yeah, I'll try to get her on here. I know I talked to uh, Marvin. I, was, I went to the book signing, and he said oh, he, wants, okay. he wants to come oh. on. So we're welcoming him on. I just, uh, when you said Kim Wardy, it took me back. <laughs> no, no, I... 
<laughs> I had to control my face. So many, so many stories. <laughs> and anywho, right. I was gonna say, <laughs> um, uh, so Erica Geist is another one, another senator that would be good to contact. Mm-hmm. She before this George Floyd happened, before that, she's consistently passed policies to to change the legal system, and not just light ones. She's been pushing aggressively. And I always appreciated that with her, um, especially being a senator and everything. Um, I was also going to say, I I think we need to start to look into our county commission as well, commissioners. That is often an area I find, I I know I miss and I'm learning more about, but the funding they control. And even on a point of um, things with the prosecutor, Mm -hmm. like I, I know uh, with the the Oakland County, for example, there's like the youth mental health court now, um, um, but other things that Oakland County prosecutor has gotten, but she had to go to the county commission to get it approved. The the Oakland County Sheriff's Office, the funding they get, they get so much because Oakland County Commission and majority votes for them to get that funding. So, and I've talked to to some of them um, who who are in favor of giving funding to mental health. It just needs to be people to start to make this case. And, and uh, but yeah, I would definitely Wayne County, Oakland, whatever area you're in, start attending those meetings because people don't really attend them enough. And when they start to see it, it makes impact and they start to listen. All right. We can't wait for people to bring us the information. We gotta go get it, you know. We had all these years on Zoom that their meetings was held on Zoom and stuff. And so we had to um, get it. Why are Detroit lawyers also performing as assistant Wayne County prosecutors? Hmm. Attorney Matt. <laughs> well, the thing of it is, is this, is that they they can contract with, with anybody. I mean, for example, in, in Pittsfield, Township is a township in in Washington County. Mm-hmm. Now they hire a private law firm to handle their criminal and traffic matters. Okay, so it it, it all depends on if there's some kind of a of a of a conflict of interest. So uh, the fact that a private law firm or a person in private practice uh, works as a township attorney or something like that is not unusual. But now, if, if, if the issue is, when you say a Wayne County prosecutor, that's a very specific title. That's not a prosecutor in Wayne County. That's a Wayne County prosecutor. There's a difference, okay? So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't know of a protocol where a Wayne County prosecutor is like in private practice or, or defending somebody. So if, if that's the case, I certainly think that should be brought to Kim Worthy's attention and challenged. I've just never heard of that. She said their Detroit lawyers are performing as assistant Wayne County prosecutors. So- Okay, you know what? You know what? With all, with all due respect, in my earlier days, in the late 70s, early 80s, I had a person accuse me of representing them so badly that they said, you are a prosecutor. Now that hurt, that hurt. But you know what? The therapy has helped, okay? I don't cry anymore, okay? I don't cry anymore. So, so, so what I'm saying, 
What I'm saying is, I don't know how she means that. If she means that pejoratively, that the lawyer that represented her or her people was so damn bad, he was acting or she was, was acting as a Wayne I mean, County prosecutor. They might be contracting, like you said, Attorney Matt. They could be possibly contracting because um, I have heard her say on different occasions how they didn't have enough staff. I don't know. Yeah. Can you appetize a lawyer to be a, a prosecutor? <laughs> as as long as there's not a conflict of interest, right. you know. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to prosecute one of my former clients unless of course I didn't get paid. So, so. parents said they are. They are. <laughs> I just think, you know. So this is my I'm going to say this. For me, if I wasn't, you know, for me in Detroit, I just think that it's hard to get a person that's not biased. And when I say not biased, you know, because everybody has a relationship with everybody, everybody you know went to school with everybody. And so it's hard to find a person who would say, hey, you know, this is not my friend or I've been around this person. Or, I grew up with this, you know, especially when it comes to Kim Worthy, they you rarely find a person who says, you know, that she's not doing a good job because they're they're friends or whatever. Well, I'm talking about in the professional arena of lawyers and stuff. So it's just hard. So I believe that this probably can happen, that they're um, that they're like pulling people to be, you know, prosecutors because they're short and stuff. So that's just my opinion. You know, you know what? Um, what you say make takes me takes me back to the Supreme Court conversation, actually, um, because yes, what you're saying is valid. Uh, you're not supposed to be because what we think Supreme Court impartial. You're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be uh, biased and shield like uh, like you're not supposed to favor them or you're supposed to be neutral. So like. I was thinking with this Supreme Court stuff, a lot of people are, are it's community accountability. We're talking about us holding them accountable, us being in charge of forgiveness, us redeeming them, us, 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 which is what it should be for all levels. And, and that's, that sounds like what you're talking about. Um, so that's completely true. And, 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 and that, honestly, I think that can happen. This, our legal system and how, you know, how, how, our government is structured because it's been here so long. We commonly think that's we're supposed to think within confines of it. But when you think about it, there is something called participatory budgeting mm -hmm. where community decides where funding goes to, if funding is needed for that, or if that is needed at all. And when budget season happens, for any city, every season has a but every city has a budget season. That is something you could bring up to your city council or your or if it's a commission in your city that that instead of a council. Um, and, and that is a conversation you can have. That's when I, I was just talking to some people in Detroit that were talking about mental health and what happened to Porter Burks. Um, that same thing and uh, in, in, in just starting to do. <coughs> education to community members on on how this is actually not safety but this is what you could have 
Um, so it's possible and it has been done in some places. Um, I'm looking at Beulah's comment and she says, uh, ever since year 2014 water shut off, been trying to hire one attorney to file charges on the water department. All of them attorneys demanded 60,000. And that's another thing we can just talk about, you know, the injustice of that. You know, how how do people get injustice when they can't even afford an attorney? 60,000? <laughs> God. We're talking about people who can't even pay a parking ticket, you know, and you want 60,000. <sighs> Scary. Can't afford. <laughs> can't afford, like, to defend yourself. Like, that's a sad reality. That is a sad reality. Go ahead, Tony Matt. <laughs> Look, don't y'all put this off on me. <laughs> look, 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 Jay Love, Jay Love, I'm gonna do you the way I used to do my law school professor when called on me. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, you know, look, look, I understand, believe me, if I wasn't a lawyer, I don't know if I could afford me. Look, I understand. But, uh, you know, the reality of it is when you're suing like a city or even a township and certainly the state or the federal government, you got to remember you're fighting against your own money. Okay. Yeah. Because it's your, it's your tax dollars that are funding the Detroit city legal department. You know, mm. it's your tax dollars that are paying for those insurance premiums to protect the city from these rogue police officers. So, you know, and, 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 and then you're dealing with immunity too. You got to fight immunity too, in, in terms of these lawsuits. So, I mean, I, I don't believe in exorbitant fees, but it's, it's something where, you've got to have some kind of backing or some kind of a national organization or some kind of a GoFundMe or something to be able to back you up because otherwise it's, it's, it's next to impossible. I mean, it is. And I, I understand the dynamic completely. I don't have an answer, but I, but I totally understand. Yeah. I know with that, um, even in Gerard case, every little piece of paper costs, you know, and some of the prices are ridiculous. And some of it, I think it's a deterrent too. You know, you tell someone, you know, you want to file and they want to say, okay, that's $2,500. You know, <laughs> if you don't have mm -hmm. $2,500, that's a deterrent, you know, from mm -hmm. that case being filed. And they know what they're doing. It's all at the end of the day, you know, is using um, poverty, and, you know, and neglect, you know, against poor people, you know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is why we have a hard time winning because every little dot <laughs> costs a dollar when you're trying to get to justice. That's right. That's right. I'll say, too, I'd like to see more people focus on petitions, like for ballot initiatives. I yeah. was reading how Colorado, all students in all the schools in Colorado have free lunch now because wow. that was that was placed on the ballot 
and 55% of um, voters approved of it. And how it works is, is that it's like a percentage of the richest people in Colorado uh, are taxed a certain amount. And then that money is used to give free lunch to those in school, which makes sense. I mean, cause they, they aren't really taxed anyway. Think about it. No, oh, um, no, no. That's right. That's right. But that can be you can be petitioned, get signatures like they did for for Prop Three for for the reproductive rights um, ballot initiative. Same thing. Get those signatures, send it off to the board canvassers, certify it. Supreme Court signs off on it. But you know that's something people can take up anytime, any election cycle. It, right. it, it, we can do something. That's what I'm right. saying, y'all. Yeah, I mean, and taking. It action for vulnerable so that they can be open and genuine too from the each level show me where the money's going you know where where are our dollars really going how is it really benefiting the community and i think if if we would hold them accountable for all areas including the financial um it's sad when you leave outside of inner city schools to smaller, you know, smaller community schools with who have allotted more dollars per child for education. And and you see you can the the comparison is visible and the support for children is visible. Mm -hmm. And you have children that are it's all inclusive because they don't want to label their children. Mm -hmm. And yet they have all the support. They have teams of mental health support in these places. And yet in our own communities, we don't. And we're still, there's still stigma um, regarding mental health and the support needed for youth and for adults. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking at how do we hold them accountable for not only everything that they do outwardly, police, justice system, but what, where's the money going? How is it helping us as a community? Out, out of all the money, all the taxes and everything, what do we get? I like that Alexandria says Chicago had mental health on the ballot last November. Did they get it? Did they pass it? Yeah, they did. Uh, mental health response team. They they passed it. So people voted in favor of it. Um, so I can't wait to see what that does. Yeah, that's that's gonna that's gonna be tremendous. I mean, if you ha have a true mental health response team, because I I mean, you, like I said, I can tell the difference in a school system when you have mental health. And that's what it is, a response team that handles every issue that you could possibly think of. So for us, you know, we have to start looking into ballot initiatives, like, you know, having conversations and doing what is that we're, what is that we need to change and how we can get it on the ballot and then just get out here and get those signatures. Not like uh, how, uh, I'm trying to be funny right now, but uh, <laughs> Hollywood, now about how Hollywood got his uh, <laughs> signatures, but really <laughs> get people to sign because, I mean, if they, like you said, it's Proposal 3 got on that ballot with the ease. And so 
and and pass. So we have the power to do it. We just need to start having the conversations. I think a lot of times people don't want to have the conversation first. Yeah. You know, people just want to spew out what it is and, you know, want everybody to go along with it. But sometimes you need to have a conversation so we can find a common ground to work with. And then once we get a common ground, we can, you know, get these initiatives and get people, you know, on board. But first we have to be open to have a conversation. And I know, you know, um, conversations are hard, but they are necessary. Yeah. We got this, y'all. Hmm. You did? Say so we got this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you know what? The beauty of uh of with Bernstein was that all the activists came together from all organizations. <laughs> and and we were on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Allie. Allie was leading the way. <laughs> Thank you. But I was commending <laughs> you, Allie, and, and everybody connected because you you got to address it right away. You know, and I think, of look, my mental health, well, I've been in, in it too long, so I have to use it all the time. But in behavioral strategies, you don't let anything slide, you know. And, and when you're correcting behavior, uh, we used to be able to physically sit a child down and say, no, we're sitting and we sit. And we show them, this is how you sit. And then they get rewarded for how long they sit at doing certain activities. So, no, what you said was wrong. This is what, this is how we handle that. We're sitting people down now so that they can think about what they said or what they did. Think about their behavior and let them know that there is a consequence. Mm -hmm. And this is why I commend the community when it happened was like, we came together and said, oh, no, 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 not this time. And it's important, especially for women, too. For women, (laughs) you know, because it's time out when it's our turn that all of a sudden somebody else has to get in the way and take over a, a shining moment and then all of a sudden boom and you know and we got all these other issues coming up and then the downplay uh and i could go on and on about that so i'm not going to go too much further but you know what i'm saying Allie? go ahead i was gonna say i ain't gonna lie to the black woman in me when i saw that i was like that bernstein thing i said oh no we not dead. <laughs> We're not doing this <laughs> today. Uh-uh. It's like, no, I had to, I said, we send y'all this, get my people the info, then get to the streets and figure this out. Yeah, and it was powerful because we all were all together, collected one mind, different organizations, different missions. But for this one thing, we said no. And we can do that for everything that is an injustice to humanity. And that's what I said, the positive. We had so many positives come from that. And Allie and everybody who I know that are listening right now, um, you guys rock. Yes, and, and guess what? That's how you, that's the pathway to healing, right? When you take action, take responsibility for your actions, 
are holding people accountable for their action. That's how we heal. You know, it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it don't feel good. It don't even look good. But that's the only way that you can get to a place of healing is by taking actions, not by just sitting by thinking, oh, well, it's going to blow over. It's going to be, you know, they always say that. That always happened, blah, blah, blah. No, it's showing up and taking action. That's healing. Go ahead, uh, Tony Matt. Um, I don't know if you know about it, but <clears throat> Survivor Speaks is having uh, a Zoom seminar yes. with representative, uh, uh, boy, you know what? Any other time I know that man's name right off the top of my yeah, uh, Yusuf, Yusuf Rabi, Yusuf Rabi. Mm-hmm. And he's proposing legislation, y'all, around the I word. <laughs> it's <laughs> not the N word, it's the I word, okay? And so that's what I started calling the I word. And so I'm so happy. And you know, you know, once again, I just got to co-sign with Allie and uh, Reverend Tia and UJ Love was saying we can make a difference. If that state house and the Senate had not flipped, none of this discussion would mean anything. Anything. All right. Now they're going to address the right not to work law, the right not to work law in Michigan. Okay. Uh, hopefully they'll address the issue of FOIA with legislation. Hopefully they're going to address the immunity issue, which is why I encourage everybody. It's a one o'clock. Uh, you can get on the Survivor Speak Facebook, I believe, and and get the linkage and hook up. Oh, okay, wonderful. So you know, th- there we go. You know, so see, see, you know what, Jay Love. This is why I love you, Jay Love. See? <laughs> see? <laughs> see? Yes. You know, you know, you know what, you know what, hey y'all, you know, thing of it is. If J Love was an airplane, she could fly herself. <laughs> so, you know, and so, you know, Alexandra, I, I, I tip my hat to you and my spirit to you because you were out in the forefront. If you don't speak up, Bernstein's words go unchallenged. Unchallenged. Thank you so much. Okay. It was hard conversations. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you. <laughs> you know, you know, really, you know, and you know, and I've been, you know, I've been following you, Allie. I don't often say much, but I read a lot, so I know you. You know, you you've had things to overcome from other activists. I might add, from even other yeah. activists. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I said, wow. So, so but, but <laughs> you know. So hopefully that you planted a seed. You know what? We see a pine tree, an apple tree, a cherry tree. Now we got an alley tree. Alley tree. So, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> love y'all. Y'all amazing. <laughs> we got so, us an alley tree. You know, yeah, right. so you know, you know, right. we gonna we we gonna keep watering that tree. And Tio, we got a name hey. for you too. J Love, we got a name for you too. You Not know, me, Trisha so, uh, on here. Where's she at? <laughs> right, right. You know, so so maybe one day they'll name a weed after me. I don't know. So <laughs> you got a tree too. You got a yeah, Mac, yeah. Well, you got a whole Mac Street. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <For real. laughs> the Mac. <laughs> so what attorney exactly. uh, Hugo Mac is talking about is tomorrow. Um, yeah. So go on Survivor Speaks mm-hmm. uh, Facebook page and uh, one or, o'clock. 
or you can like use your phone and take a picture of that QR code mm -hmm. and get the information or, you know, get that link right there. And um, I think it's at one o'clock tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. at one. Right. And then also tomorrow is for the wrongful conviction support group. Um, Survivor Speaks. That's on her page as well. It's every um, third Saturday of the month. This is at 10 a.m. So those who are dealing with wrongful convictions and family members or those who have been wrongfully convicted, join this support group. I have been to um, uh, meetings with the support group, especially when I, Gerard was incarcerated. And it was really helpful just to have these conversations that we're having with other people who understand, who are dealing with it. Um, just, you know, be in the room or on the Zoom with mm -hmm. other people who you have something in common with that you can have a conversation with about it. So for those, join the Wrongful Conviction Support Group. And also, you guys, next week, <laughs> join us Back on here at six o'clock because we're going to have attorney Elizabeth Franklin Bless. Um, she's a wrongful convicted, uh, conviction. That's her thing. She's, um, she does focus exclusively on federal criminal defense, state and federal direct appeals, federal post convictions. And uh, what is that? Habeas proceedings. Mm -hmm. That's what she mm -hmm. does. Um, go on her website. Check her out. I'm telling you guys, check her out. The, all of the cases that she has um, has won. Um, if you are dealing with a wrongful conviction, she, you might want to give her a call. Or you might want to be on this platform on next week to ask her questions because she will be here. Um She's been checking us out and um, her people contacted us and said, hey, she wants to come on with us. So I'm, I, we welcome her on. Mm -hmm. So you go, Mac, I, I'm, um, I'm glad that you're going to be here with us. So, you know, you guys, we can all have this conversation with her because uh, sometimes you might have to step out of Michigan to get the help you need, you know. And yeah. don't be afraid to do that. <laughs> don't think. You know, especially for those here in Michigan. I'm just going to say for those who are in Michigan, because we have people from all over that watch this platform. But for those in Michigan, don't be afraid to step outside of Michigan for help. That's right. Tell you. You mm -hmm. never know right. where your blessing might be, you know, South Carolina and Texas mm -hmm. or California or whatever. Don't be afraid. Can we just take some bits from Colorado and put it here in Michigan? Like, I really, really wish, because there, it's not fair. I'm just saying. Look into Colorado policies. Just just look into them. And you'll see what I'm saying. Let us yeah. know. What, what, go ahead, Ali, and tell us about it. I, I'm talking about ending qualified immunity. Oh, they, yes. <laughs> yes. They have the STAR mental health response program that mm -hmm. has decreased uh, what they call crime. I call it just... Decrease community harm, um, decrease that, and it not no they're they're unarmed, no guns, but they are lowering crime rates. 
and yeah. are expanded into multiple cities. They started in Denver mm -hmm. and have expanded. Um, not only that, but uh, oversight commissions. They have a ton of those <laughs> and it's not law enforcement on it. It's policymakers, analysts, a wide array of people. Um, yeah. I think maybe even the 13th Amendment was uh, like slavery was removed. Like, and I think that Colorado was a state that did that as well. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And there's yeah, that's huge steps. There's actually like four states, I think, that also did it. There's multiple, yeah. but it's. I take it, I take it we're not one of those states right now. No, we're not. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Now we still program and believing, you know, this this criminal justice system yeah. is yeah. is like working for us, but we have to re reprogram ourselves to believe there's other ways, and Colorado is leading the way. They are, they are, and, and Ali, you know what? I gotta bring. Look, I gotta let y'all know. I love the linguistics that has just happened, and we gotta be careful of the language that we use. I love it, Ali. You said decrease in crime, but you said, I say a decrease in community and harm mm -hmm. and harming the community. So if we can change the language to what is real, because it is more of harming the community than it is a decrease in crime. It just depends on what your definition of crime is. Mm -hmm. And the definition of crime has to be more than a person of color. Yes, it's a social construct, crime, social construct. It changes depending on where you are. Yes. Yeah. Jamie, I, I, I see you. I want to put that right back up so you can see it again. Elizabeth, Attorney Elizabeth Franklin, Franklin Bass. It's at www.elizabethfranklinbass.com. So, yeah. So you got that on, on your website, on our website, on the... Uh, it will be on the Justice... It is on the Justice for Gerard page. Um, I did a write-up about her. Um, so you can check it out. This flyer will be on there as well. Good, um, good. Probably this evening. It will be on my pages. Uh, Instagram probably as well as Facebook. So <laughs> just... Mark it on your calendar. Make sure you're here next week because this is going to be a great conversation because um, about wrongful convictions um, and what and all the things that she does. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome, Jamie. <laughs> so, Attorney Mack, what would you like to leave us with? Well, first of all, God bless you, sisters, you uh, women of God. God bless you, you know, and it's uh, it's it's uplifting for me because I tell you, you know, when, when I go into that arena, it can be a lonely place. It can really be a lonely place, you know. Um, when I'm looking at people that I know have already tried and convicted my client before a word is said, okay, mm -hmm. you know. But when I see people like y'all out here fighting a good fight and swinging for the fences it encourages me to keep swinging for the fences you know and and one thing you know i'm too damn old to hold my tongue in court okay so you know the older i get the bolder i get i don't know how long before they kick me out but in terms of confronting judges you know 
on, on implicit bias, you know, mm -hmm. even in bias, the objections. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible, you know, and overcoming the presumption. So I, I want to leave you with this. Never give up hope and never give up joy because the joy of the Lord truly is your strength. Okay. Mm -hmm. We as human beings, we're not designed to take this pressure on ourselves. It will crush us. So we've got to have the spirit above us, the Holy Spirit, the divine spirit, to keep encouraging us and strengthening us. That is how we win. And I'm going to admonish black people. Stop letting other people control the narrative. Stop mm -hmm. letting people ask you, well, you know, uh, blacks are only 12% of the population, but how come they like 50% of the jails? I've got an answer for that because they're like 90% of the unjust arrest, 90% of the cultural bias, 90% of the overcharging. That's why if you started focusing on other communities, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, white collar crimes, you would see the Department of Corrections get markedly lighter, markedly lighter, okay? If you focus on the Bernie Madoff type of criminal, all right, it would be markedly lighter. Stop letting people tell you that when you're stopped by the police, well, they, they wouldn't have done it, they wouldn't have, if, if they didn't have a reason. Stop it. Stop forfeiting your rights to people who are paid and trained to oppress you. Stop it. I heard a man by the name of Jesse Jackson say, all we got to do is stand up, y'all, they'll fall off our back. And so that's what I'm saying. Stand up, you know, just a little bit of courage. You know, mm -hmm. Ali said that when he's getting ready to fight for him. And, you know, they're going out in there and people scared and nervous. He said, damn, can't and, and, and one of y'all got some courage? Some? Some? <laughs> so just a little bit, J-Love. Just black people, just a little bit of courage. Just plant that and it'll grow. I promise you. I promise you. What's that saying? A little bit goes a long way. A long way. Just a little <laughs> bit of courage. A little bit. You know, Attorney Matt, before we go, uh, Prison Nation asked a question. She said, any thought, <clears throat> any thoughts, anyone on the conviction integrity unit? Is there any oversight for the unit? How about access to the records, files, cases um, that they are reviewing? Do you know anything any about any well, of these? I can just I can just talk about what I know about Washtenaw County. I mean, you know, not not, not every I mean, there are 83 counties in the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. OK. And I think a severe minority of them have a conviction territory unit. OK. I know Wayne County. I know Washtenaw County. Maybe Macomb, Oakland, has one. Who, Macomb has one, too. Macomb has one now. Yeah. And who's okay, over so, the one in Wayne County? OK. <laughs> OK. OK. Allie does. Does does Oakland County I have one? Leave on a high note. <laughs> yeah, Oakland, Oakland County, County has one. Oakland County does. Okay, so you know we I've named four J Love. That leaves like seventy nine other counties, J Love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so um, you know it's it, it, it's going to have to be county by county. Anybody can access for you, uh, except an inmate, of course, uh, to be able to. To, to find those records. So I would suggest if you're interested in them, FOIA the county prosecutor in, in, in its counties that have uh, integrity units and, and, and see what information they give you. Thank you, Attorney Matt. We'll be praying for you. Because <sighs> <Okay. laughs> he's in Wayne County. Right, I got it. He wants to know about Wayne County. So we're all going to lift you up. I got something. <laughs> 
the end with like <laughs> you got yeah Wayne County. Uh, Go ahead, Allie. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'll say it can be hard to feel like this is what the way we live is 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 not how we are supposed to live if we haven't experienced anything else. And and not everybody has the opportunity to, to travel, to go places, to to make to understand why this way you live is not okay. Because sometimes that real thing, touching it, going somewhere that has the world you want, makes it feel real. And um, I say that because I'm gonna take it to take it out of America right now. <laughs> I'm gonna take it to Ghana. In Ghana, you think. You, and most people know that is where the Alang slave trade took place. And who, who were the biggest profiters of that was uh, Britain. Mm-hmm. Who carried that through was the most was Britain. Like they, they financially benefited the most off of it. And um, Ghana uh, was not liberated until I believe, yeah, 1957, Ghana gained its independence. Um, from British colonial government. They also changed how they would see their their bills. So right now they're so now they're called CDs. That's like their dollar bills. Before that, the Brit the Britain people labeled it a certain way, had it had it a certain way. That was changed after they got independence and they were not no longer under Brit- British uh, forces. When they got independence, it was because of six, six black people called the Big Six. They fought for African Ghanaian independence, went to jail, went to because they wanted their own political system, their own things. And and they were able to get out of that. 1957 isn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. It's not. So I'm saying we can do it. They mm-hmm. got from under a whole political system. Six people, plus the community, of course. And it wasn't easy, but I'm, I say that to say this, how we live in America is not the only way to live. And you can live better. Yes. Yes, Allie. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Rabbitia. I love that. I mean, and and I, I'm just going to piggyback on that a bit because it's all about what you think is important. What are your preferences? What are you choosing? What I can tell, look, I can tell a person's consciousness if I look through your history of what you're looking at. That's how I can tell. I can look at your, if I look at your history of where your concentration is, and you got to, you got to know that your mind is the, has is similar to that. I think it's even more advanced than the algorithm of a computer. Mm-hmm. But whatever you're putting in, into you, you're, you're formulating your history. You're formulating a mental capacity to consciously go to that same thing over and over again. And here, on turning a moment into a movement, we are attempting, and we are not attempting, we are succeeding in educating the community to stop what you're thinking and think a new thought. 
and think about possibilities. Think about justice on your terms, on equality. Think about humanity. Consciously look at what are you looking at? Where are your, where's your focus? Are you looking at your family? Are you trying to, to keep your family safe? And are you educating the family? Do you know who you are? And while you're studying about these elected officials, study about your history, study about your own strength, study about who you are and empower yourself and know that there is nothing that is impossible to mm. those who believe. Yes. So believe uh. something and take your life back like we say all the time at TLC. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. We can do it, you know. Um, thank you, guys. <laughs> we can do it. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us. Um, I wanted to also put up our motto we say every week. It's our duty to fight for our freedoms. It's our duty to win. We must love and support one another. We have nothing to lose. But our chains. See you guys next Friday. Turning a moment into a movement. Good night. Good night. God bless everybody.